Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guest is Lee Chesno, who is uh, a marine weather expert. And since it's getting to be that season where many loopers will be crossing the Gulf of Mexico, it seems like a great time to bring Lee in and talk about some weather-related concerns for that crossing. Before we start with Lee, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral-level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Lee Chesno, thank you for joining me again on Great Loop Radio. It's a pleasure to have you here. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yes. Um, to start off with, I know you were on recently telling us about some of the hurricane concerns we had this fall um, and late summer. But um, for those who didn't hear that or who don't know you already, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Oh, very good. Well, um, I've got an ongoing 44-plus year career. Um, after graduating from the University of Wisconsin uh, uh, decades ago um, with a degree in uh, meteorology and that degree opened the door for me. I also received a commission, uh, an incident in the U.S. Navy, and it opened the door to an amazing career. You don't appreciate it at the time uh, uh, you start out, but uh, looking back, I've, I've served on two aircraft carriers. I've been stationed overseas, places like Rota, Spain, and uh, I've, I served in Norfolk, Virginia, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and uh, Anchorage, Alaska, Seattle, Washington, and a good part of my career extended with the National Weather Service and in an area of Washington, Washington D.C. called uh, Camp Springs, Maryland, which is uh, now the uh, the movement has been to College Park, Maryland, called the National Centers for Environmental Prediction, in which I was one of the four founders of today's Ocean Prediction Center keepers of the radio facts, as they call it, in the good old days, graphical charts for both the North Atlantic and North Pacific. So I've had uh, also a little stint in the private sector with a company called Ocean Routes that was based out of California at the time. So I look back upon my career, have been in a sea, a land station in different environments and different concerns, and, uh, and what I do today is... I'm in the education and training business, teaching uh, mariners from all persuasions, from professional mariners to recreational boaters, how to do their own weather forecasting to become self-reliant, because in the end, that's where the responsibility lies. And uh, we've had an interesting hurricane season and all that, but people need to realize that before hurricane strikes land, it's waterborne, water-fed, and water-maintained, so it is an ocean storm well before it impacts land. And so strategies for mariners to deal with hurricanes uh, are quite a bit different than any other type of system. So I'm involved uh, heavily with, with that type of training. So mm-hmm. I'm very glad to uh, be part of the Great Loop um, um, pod here, a radio pod, I guess. So I'm ready to proceed on here. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And and one of the things you just mentioned was self-reliance. And, of course, with everyone having 
access to the internet almost at all times at their fingertips with their smartphone and, and a tablet and other things that they have with them while they're cruising. Um, many boaters, including loopers, are just used to having several different weather resources available to them at all times. Um, so the information is coming to us already discerned, already processed, um, you know, broken down to very simple terms for us. But what's being lost in the translation is, is that um, self-reliance that you mentioned and, and kind of the ability for mariners to actually go beyond the information being presented and actually understanding the weather. So from your, your perspective, Lee, um, what can boaters like loopers who are primarily doing an inland trip um, but do have things like the gross Gulf crossing to look forward to, what can those boaters gain by actually going beyond reviewing a bunch of weather sites and actually understanding the information behind those and understanding the weather? Well, I think, uh, let me just backtrack just a little bit here. Yeah. The multitude of weather resources uh, that are out there, one has to know which is weather model based or which is human intelligence based. In other words, Models are the foundation of all weather forecasts for everybody, from weather forecasters to uh, recreational boaters. But you need one needs to understand which is model-based, which is, means untethered, perhaps a single solution to the weather when there's multiple solutions. Different models offer different solutions. But anything that's been human interfaced has a much higher probability of being more accurate than just relying on weather models in the short term. In order to fully have an appreciation of this, I would think that the education and training is fundamental in this digital age that we live in, where red is bad, blue is good. And the loss of critical thinking is well underway, and I'm experiencing that in the professional mariner level, even in the recreational level, in terms of what is it that you really need to know in order to make your own decisions. And and this is where I come in with, with training and, and education from the classroom to online webinars. So mm -hmm. I think that you need to stand back, look at a simple chart like today's Atlantic surface analysis that I'm looking right at in my computer, and I see the very first dramatic change from summer to fall with a uh, blue norther, as they say in Texas, a, a strong uh, surge of cool air surging into the Gulf of Mexico, which will absolutely kill the hurricane season there. But on the other side, on the Pacific side, in the Gulf of Tehuantepec, there is more than likely a Tehuantepec warning for either gale or storm force conditions. So finally, we're seeing an end, a true end of summer here with this latest weather pattern based on when I'm looking at a, at a surface analysis chart. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to come to the conclusion I just did just by looking at the weather chart. And this is where I come into play to help the voters understand the charts and the different symbols on them that sometimes are labeled and sometimes not. Mm -hmm. So, Lee, as loopers get ready to cross the Gulf, um, and we have some resources available at AGLCA to help them as well, um, but tell us a little bit more about what types of weather patterns or what kinds of conditions should they look for to have a comfortable and safe crossing? You know, how do they identify a suitable weather window for themselves? Well, first, if you're motoring, you want to have as calm a conditions as possible, which means the pattern that's in the Gulf of Mexico right now 
high pressure surging and generating pretty stiff winds in the 25, 30 knot range. And so when you go to the forecast charts, then what I'm looking for is uh, whether that high pressure is going to settle in over the Gulf for calm conditions. And that's when you're looking at a surface pressure map with lots of lines called isobars, and there's very, very few, very, very few. That means that that's good sailing weather. And all the forecasts, including the models based and the applications, should reflect that. But I'm looking at a chart that was created by forecaster Kells, for example, that's valid uh, tomorrow morning at uh, 1,200 UTC. In the weather business, everybody needs to recognize that uh, the time standard for weather is based on UTC or Zulu. And so this is perfect conditions. So if you look at the Ocean Prediction Center chart uh, for 24 hours, or you can go to my website, weatherbylee.com, and click on the, the Atlantic um, charts, you'll be able to, this is the thumbnail right on the, on the home page, you'll be, you'll be able to see exactly what I'm talking about. Now, this condition is going to last for a day or so, but I'm also looking at the possibility of a developing tropical cyclone in, in the Western Caribbean Sea. That's not the Gulf of Mexico. And that may make headlines uh, uh, beyond what I'm talking about here. So you need to pay attention to the time of the year and the likelihood of mid-latitude systems versus tropical systems, and you're, and you're always thinking, seeking calmer conditions. Now, sailboats have a little different uh, perspective on that, but uh, great loopers, you're interested in calm conditions, so you're looking for high pressure with very weak pressure gradients. In other words, very few lines around that H that you see on a weather map, which would, would spell good conditions to to transit. Always keep in mind the deterministic time frame for human intelligence forecasts out to five days, in some cases seven, depending on what resource you go to. Uh, I focus on the Ocean Prediction Center's uh, charts uh, as my main uh, focus in, in my teachings and my promotions. And thank you for that, Lee. And let me just point out that this podcast is being pre-recorded. So right now it is Wednesday, October 25th. Um, so what Lee is talking about, which would happen tomorrow, um, is not necessarily tomorrow when you're listening to this. So I just want to point that out, and especially because this is archived um, for posterity, uh, someone could be listening to this far into the future. So just uh, remember that this is not live, but that the patterns that Lee is discussing um, are relevant. You know, if you can understand them, then you have the ability to basically predict your own safe and comfortable crossing. I also do want to point out that that safe and comfortable crossing may be different for everyone. It's going to depend, of course, on your vessel. It's going to depend on the experience level of yourself and your crew. So keep those things in mind, too, and it really is up to each individual captain to decide when the weather window is suitable. Um, so, Lee, any other tips on taking a look at those weather patterns? You know, since this is not being broadcast live, um, people may be going to these resources, going to your site or other resources later, um, other than looking for those lines to be uh, to have few of them and high pressure. Is there any other um, indicators that you can give us in terms of um, wave heights or wind speeds or anything along that line that we should be looking for as we're looking at weather predictions? Sure. I think that um, 
the first thing that everybody needs to know in terms of surface weather is what controls it, what dominates it, and what develops and moves it along, and that's at upper levels. And I've seen this a lot in recent years on television, and from the Weather Channel to local uh, news media. They're always talking about the upper levels in the jet stream. What they're really referring to is mid-levels in the atmosphere that's known as 500 millibars. So 500 millibar charts and the patterns that they exhibit will dictate what the surface is going to look like. For example, whether high pressure is going to be stagnant, good weather for days on end, or the same thing with low pressure. It all depends on what the upper-level pattern is that's directly impacting uh, on the surface. So that's one aspect. And then you mentioned wind and waves. There's wind and wave products uh, graphically that, for example, the Ocean Prediction Center generates. So you can look at that. And you mentioned the Gulf. There's also another uh, aspect of the Gulf, and that is a loop current, which uh, winds up in the eastern Gulf of Mexico, or actually develops in the eastern Gulf of Mexico, works its way in the Florida Straits, and then up the eastern seaboard as a Gulf Stream. So you need to be aware that that Gulf Stream, which is a very favorable or favorite uh, passageway going from south to north, can also be one of the most treacherous uh, places to be if you're not aware of the different weather patterns that can generate what I call a north wall event in the Gulf Stream. So there's a lot of complications to weather than just looking at a straight map. You have to have a sense of your geography, where you are in terms of ocean currents, in terms of the land-sea interface that creates sea breezes and land breezes, the difference in temperatures between the water and land, and also if you're in an area that is sort of high terrain or mountainous, that you need to be aware that you can have an acceleration of winds that normal charts might not reflect uh, so readily. An example would be Santa Ana winds in Southern California. Charts don't always indicate how strong the, strong the winds are going to be, and so you have mountain terrain with gaps in them that accelerate the winds three and fourfold than normal weather guidance or the models would indicate. And this is where human intelligence comes in, because forecasters know what the tra traditional gap wind events are. As I mentioned, the Kiwanapak uh, uh, condition along the Gulf of Tuanapec and Acapulco, places like that. But in, in you know, stateside interest along the eastern seaboard, um, pretty standard uh, type of weather patterns will dictate what the forecast is going to be. And so there's nothing unusual about that, except you need to be aware of that geographic presence of your vessel, and especially the time of the year. Okay. We're going to take a break and listen to a brief message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I do want to talk, if we can, Lee, a little bit about um, some of your favorite weather resources where you might direct loopers that have had that human interpretation of the weather patterns. I also want to tell our listeners a little bit more about some of the resources AGLCA offers um, and also go over where they can get some more information because um, this is, of course, just a very basic overview of understanding the weather. So um, we'll be back in a moment, and then we'll tackle those issues. When traveling by boat, you can now explore great marinas and book your boat slip when planning your trip, relax and you snag a slip. When you're underway and you need a place to stop, don't freak. We'll find you the perfect dock. Need a slip on your trip? Don't freak, you've got snag a slip. 
Explore. Book. Boat. Snagaslip. Snagaslip.com. We're back on Great Loop Radio, and today our guest is Lee Chesno, who is a marine weather expert. And Lee is kind of filling us in on the basics of understanding the weather. Um, Lee, you mentioned early on in this conversation about the the difference between a forecast that has had some human interpretation versus um, just strictly relying on the patterns without any um, human intervention there. Uh, Tell us what some of what you think are some of the best weather resources for loopers who are getting ready to, to try and determine a suitable weather window for crossing the Gulf. Okay, sure. Uh, again, uh, just let me reiterate, the very, very popular these days are applications that uh, show model output, uh, predict when, uh, I can name a number of different uh, other commercial resources, but predict when seems to be very, very popular. And it's a, it's, it's a valuable resource in, in that it's easy to interpret the information that they're providing. However, because it's model-based, one has to have something to compare it to. And I always, always refer to human intelligence, especially the colleagues I left behind uh, over 11 years ago from the National Weather Service's Ocean Prediction Center for full ocean coverage. Then you have the National Weather Service in general, the Weather Prediction Center that shows continental coverage um, from coast to coast, including the Great Lakes. And you have the tropical analysis and forecast branch that focuses in on the, on the tropics. And you have the local forecast offices all up and down the, the eastern seaboard, Gulf Coast, to the interior, and the west coast. And they provide local area forecasts, especially um, pay attention to those that have marine responsibility for marine forecasts. This is all about human intelligence. And, and, the, and the wonderful thing about this you get to really see the thinking of the forecasters, what goes into their forecast, what models they have a bias on in their discussions. So with the Ocean Prediction Center, it's a marine interpretation message. And for local offices, it's the state uh, discussion in which everybody that's under the influence in the Pacific Northwest, in particular where I'm from, the Seattle, gets to get into the head of the forecaster and they talk about what drives local area forecast so a number of different offices put out their own discussions and even when the hurricanes are in play there's a discussion about why why the advisory that they put out every six hours every three hours if it's within 72 hours of land what they're thinking and the basis of the forecast you can learn a lot from that because weather has its own language and once you learn weather language and its ter- uh, uh, terminology you're going to be much further ahead of the game in understanding just what that forecast means. And you always have to be aware of local influences that's almost almost impossible to forecast given a, a extended area of, of forecast responsibility. Private sector meteorologists and the private sector will help fine-tune that for you based on their local knowledge. And you always have to be aware of who they are and what their credentials are, because there are a lot of people out there uh, in in the weather game. Some, quite frankly, in my opinion, should not be doing what they're doing, but there are plenty of good, uh, certifiable uh, consultants that that command the respect and your resources if you're looking for a second opinion. And always remember, 
it's an opinion and an advice. The ultimate responsibility comes down to you in terms of what decisions you make based on how knowledgeable you are. You should always be in a position to intelligently engage any service or even take a look at the charts and look up the local conditions and see if it makes sense to you. In order for it to make sense, you have to really be able to read the charts uh, quite thoroughly. I'm afraid that there's no shortcut here. There's absolutely no shortcut in, in the world of red is bad and blue is good. Well, and one of the things that I like to point out is the Gulf Crossing is, you know, uh, 170 or so miles um, from Carabelle to Tarpon Springs, which is the route most loopers take. Um, and at trawler speed, which many loopers are in trawlers, that can be, a, you know, a 20 or so hour time period that you're making that crossing. So keep in mind that the weather locally where you're starting from may be quite different at the other end when you're talking about 20 hours later in a distance of, you know, almost 200 miles. So you do need to factor that in, of course. One of the resources available to AGLCA members is Eddie's Weather Wag. And those of you who know Eddie Johnson, um, he's been a, a dedicated volunteer in this area for several years now. Um, Eddie actually is a um, military pilot and commercial pilot who, of course, had to understand the weather for those jobs. Um, he gets up very early this time of year to analyze different weather resources and pretty simply comes up with a go-no-go suggestion for a crossing um, based on what he would do in his own vessel with his own experience and his own crew. Again, every captain needs to make that decision for themselves. Um, So if you are a member, you can go to the AGLCA forum and look for the posts that explain how to subscribe to the weather wag. But here's the thing. Um, Like I said, this is relying on Eddie, and he's a very dedicated and and wonderful volunteer who's very knowledgeable. Um, In some respects, I think we're making this a little too easy for all of you um, because we're taking away that need to understand what's happening behind that. And, you know, should Eddie decide to go on vacation or be sick for a couple days or whatever it might be, um, you need to be able to be self-reliant to make that go no-go call in the absence of Eddie's weather wagon. Um, it concerns me a little bit in previous years as it got later in the season and there were fewer people crossing and Eddie took a day or two off and I had people calling in a panic, where's the weather wag? Um, so we are so thankful to Eddie for providing that service for members, but we also do want to make sure that members have some understanding of what's happening behind that. So with that, that out of the way, um, as I mentioned, if you're a member, you can go to the forum on the website at greatloop.org and see how to subscribe to the weather wag. Um, but Lee, because we're trying to encourage people to actually learn more about the weather, um, you're about to do some webinars through Seven Seas U, which is a courtesy of the Seven Seas Cruising Association. Tell us a little bit about the webinar you're going to be presenting on Intro to Weather. Um, you know, when is that happening? What types of things will you be covering, et cetera? Yes, indeed. Um, uh, very interesting. I'm going to be doing a series of, of uh, weather modules that uh, takes us through an entire course, for example, that I teach in five days to professional mariners. And, and the introduction is to just to get your appetite wet. Uh, it, it, it's free. The uh, successive modules after that are going to be uh, uh, a pay-type pay uh, program, but it'll give you a sense of what I'm going to cover in, uh, it's going to probably be several months to do this because I'm going to be offering it 
on Sundays and Tuesdays. So I think this Sunday is at uh, 10 a.m. Um, on the um, East Coast, 7 a.m. on the West Coast, I believe. i got to make sure i got my time frame right uh, on that. But um, if you go to the 7 Seas U uh, website, it, it will give you the, the actual uh, webinar that's going to be done and the time and the registration information. And I would encourage you to check it out because it's going to be on um, on Sunday and Tuesday. The, the, the weekday sessions are going to be 8, um, 8 p.m. Uh, East Coast time, 5 p.m. on the West Coast, regardless of when we switch over to, uh, from daylight saving time to uh, standard time. Um, keep in mind these are time standards. And um, uh, the key here is to capture everybody from coast to coast, whether you're West Coast, Central um, uh, Great Lakes or East Coast, that uh, the option is going to be available to pick one of those two days as I will repeat the, the, the webinar twice. And there will be recordings of the webinar that they're listening on. And during the, the actual uh, major course itself, everybody that uh, participates uh, in, in these webinars will get copies of the presentation material that I'll do. So this is a great way to uh, get ahead of the game and uh, learn to become self-reliant. Webinars is, is uh, uh, in play, uh, as you know, in a lot of different forms. But I'm still a classroom guy. So I just finished the weekend here in the Puget Sound at the uh, Seattle Sailing Club with uh, a weekend with uh, very dedicated mariners. And there, there's something uniquely um, special in a classroom environment where you have that um, close interaction with the students and the instructor and a lot of dialogue. So the webinar format uh, doesn't quite uh, allow for that type of interaction, but there's always a Q&A period that uh, for each module I'll be asking questions and see if you're absorbing the material. And at the end or any time during the webinar, you can always pose a question that, uh, that I, I can answer before the webinar is over. So. Seven uh, Seas U, part of the Seven Seas Cruising Association, is where it's at when it comes to distance learning. Yeah, and of course, um, the webinar format, of course, is going to add the visuals. So uh, certainly easier yep. to describe weather than what we're doing here today on this podcast. Um, so to find those um, webinars, easiest way to tell you with just um, the audible part is to go to ssca.org. That's for Seven Seas Cruising Association. So it's ssca.org and follow through to the Seven Seas U link and then the course catalog. I will go ahead and post the link directly to that course catalog with the registration buttons on the greatloop.org homepage. I'll put that right in the latest news section for the next several days so that those of you who are interested in this free opportunity to learn more about an introduction to weather and understanding specific to marine weather. Um, as Lee said, the first session is this Sunday, October 29th, 2017 at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And then that session, again, the introduction to marine weather will be repeated, but also live for question and answer on Tuesday, October 31st, 
2017 at 8 p.m. again Eastern time. Um, those, as Lee mentioned, will be recorded. So if you're hearing this podcast in our archives, you can still go to 7CZU and find the recorded webinar as well. So that information is available. Check the greatloop.org website again for a link directly to register for those. Um, Lee, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you sharing your time and, and your vast weather knowledge with our listeners. Excellent. Uh, uh, glad to be here, and I look forward to a future podcast uh, uh, down the road. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>